Thanks for joining the Gary Abbott podcast show. I'm starting a new series. The series is about van life and what that means to different people. I'm going to talk about, this is the introduction and how I got into uh, van life and traveling. What I want you to get from the introduction is the reasons why van life means so many different things to different people. So let's get started. I found myself a number of years ago traveling the country back and forth to visit my daughter in Colorado. I live in New Hampshire. We were traveling by car. The first few times, you know, it was okay. The three days of crossing the country, seeing the same highway, not really getting off except for food and gas and, you know, staying overnight at some hotel, motel, uh, was kind of repetitious. You would travel a long ways, stay for a period of time, and then come back. Well, at one point, uh, my wife said, you know, we should visit some sites along the way, do some other things. At the time, I had just taken up running. Um, Running was never uh, something that I had done in the past. And I took it up. I took it up as a calling that if I didn't start to do some activity for my health, I would be in trouble uh, later in life. I had uh, started to gain some weight and started to uh, just not eat all that healthy. And so I thought running, you know, if you looked at those runners, how thin they are, maybe I could get that way. It didn't really work out that way, but I had taken up running. So one of the things that my wife wanted to do is, at first we stopped at malls and some other places that typical people do, but just doing it in a different state and in a different uh, town. And I can remember it was interesting because you could find different products than what you would in New England when you were out west. Then one time she said, why don't we do, why don't you do a 5k running race? And so we found this nighttime running race in Iowa. And we got there and uh, a major storm was coming across the plains and uh, the race was postponed. And it was a nighttime race, supposed to start at like nine o'clock at night. And I thought it would be so much fun to have this unusual race. So I, my wife says, I'm not going because it's going to be boring. And she just was like, you go ahead. This, this, the clouds were coming. I drove there, uh, called the organizer. It had been delayed. They might run at midnight, one o'clock. And I was like, no, that's not going to happen. But what it did is it got us off the beaten path. And when we crossed Iowa and we did all these hills and plains and farm fields and silos, and it was gorgeous, just really was gorgeous. You know, some of the little stops along there, I remember this filling station, you pulled in and They had fresh donuts, and you see all these teenagers running in there getting fresh donuts. It's like I was there for just gas, and I went in, and 
they were mopping up the water from the storm the night before that had shot a lot of water underneath the doorway. And it was a nice store. And I bought a couple of the donuts and kind of defeats the purpose of running, but I got a couple of donuts. And it was kind of like a local experience that uh, you don't get by traveling just on the highway. So then we started visiting places like uh, the Football Hall of Fame and other kind of places like that just to sightsee a little bit. Now, keep in mind, though, the more places we kind of went off the beaten path, the less time we had while we were on vacation because you were consuming more than the three days to travel from one side of the state to the, you know, from New Hampshire to Colorado. But it made both my wife and I recognize that we had not seen a lot of the United States. Now, I had in the past had gone on business trips and seen many of the major cities going to uh, conventions and business meetings and even some resort areas. But I'll be honest with you, it doesn't really give you the full flavor of um, off the beaten path where other people live um, and the, the beauty of the different parts of the country. Just didn't do it. So... You know, we started to like that as a, as, as the travel plan, but we were like, you know, it's only so much time and it ate up a lot more money going to hotels and motels versus getting to my daughters and staying with them for a period of time. I started to look at, maybe I should get an RV, make it more enjoyable with an RV that we could have our bed, bathroom availability, cleaning up, food, stuff on board would make a lot more sense. I took a look at that and said, what else would I use the vehicle for? I don't really want to justify an RV for two weeks a year. I also at the same time started to hike the Appalachian Trail. Um, Just a section hiker, not uh, taking off uh, three to six months to hike the full trail. And of course, living in New Hampshire, I said, oh, New Hampshire is like one of the most talked about sections of the Appalachian Trail. I started to hike a little bit and thought, hey, an RV would be a great utility vehicle to be the base camp of doing the section hike and then coming back to that kind of vehicle. And then the third item that I put on my list was I go to these running races. And if you've ever been to 5K running races or half marathon races, uh, ever seen the lines for the Porto Johns? Uh, unbelievable. So I thought, how nice would it be to have my own vehicle, my own restroom, my own get ready area by bringing an RV? I started to have a lot of reasons that I could use this vehicle for more things. So I set on my journey to start looking at the vehicles. One uh, first looked at Class A, which are basically RVs that are buses. Beautiful. Hollywood movie stars kind of stay in them on movie uh, sets. Uh, they're just gorgeous. I mean, they're, they're a lot of money, but they're also big. And our type of trips going from one place to the other, never really stayed in one place, wanted to travel from uh, one place to another. I'm kind of on the move. 
a big class A, you, you, I didn't see me stopping into a restaurant uh, with a big bus every time uh, I wanted something to eat. So then moved down to class C, which is basically their trucks with a trailer, you know, part put on the back. They're pretty wide. Uh, they definitely have some room, but they, the mileage that those got, you know, eight to 10 miles per gallon. When I was traveling across the country, I was getting 30 to 35 in the car I had. I could not see tripling my uh, cost to operate the vehicle across country, putting on all those miles. And they just didn't seem to be as, I don't know, automotive-like, comfortable-wise. It felt more like a truck. Uh, trailers were definitely out because of how long they were. And so I ended up with my three major reasons. Um, the adventure part that I could use it possibly for some of the things I was doing locally. And then on these cross-country trips. The other item that played in the back of my head is many people wait until they retire to begin this travel across the country and sightsee and all that kind of stuff. And um, I have to say a, a sad part of my life is my mother had passed away at an early age of uh, 59. And one of the things that she said to me in her final weeks that always had implanted an impression that uh, she was upset that she had saved all this money and time and was ready for a great retirement, which was just never going to come. And there really is nothing I could say to her to uh, appease that, but it did set in motion um, at the time I was, uh, you know, just turning 40. It, it set in mind that, you know, life is short and you never know when uh, your time's up. So I also had it in my head that uh, if I was going to do this, I don't really want to wait till I'm older and maybe have some health issues or can't do things. I started the search. I started the search to look for an RV. And the logical choice led me to a Class B uh, van. Now, I watched and saw a lot of videos on people that constructed their own, you know, these 20-somethings that just jumped in and made their own and cut some lumber and Sounds all great and wonderful, but I'm one who I want to buy it, ready to go, and go. I'm not overly wealthy, so you don't have to be overly wealthy to uh, take this up. What you, what you need is you need to shop and you need to look for the right bargain. Definitely, I'm one who can do that. I don't need to go out and uh, spur of the moment, and I also recognized that there are compromises when you purchase an RV, no matter what type of RV, even in Class B. You have to take major considerations of how big is the bathroom? How comfortable is the bed? How easy is the vehicle to maneuver? You know, what, what are the important features for you to consider? Now, with that, there is no perfect... Uh, class BRV. Uh, if you plan to take how many passengers? 
you know, I had envisioned this thing as maybe I could go to football games and take a, you know, use it as a kind of a party bus and take it with a whole bunch of people. And so I really like the seven passenger, four bucket seats towards the front and a couch in the back. And if you're going to do that, that's the right type of class B, if that's going to be the priority. But if you're traveling from national park to national park, the bed, the comfort, and realistically, it's going to be my wife and I. It's not going to be a group of people. You know, we all buy cars that have uh, passenger seats. And after the kids are gone, there's, <laughs> we don't use the, the back seat is used to put stuff in. Uh, it's not used uh, for passengers very often. You know, you had, to, you had to battle with just what is this vehicle for. Then you have to look at the length of the vehicle. Um, there's 19 footers, there's 23 footers, you know, there's 25 footers, um, all different wheelbases, all different lengths. Now, every inch makes a difference. <laughs> there's definitely, you get in a 19 footer, it, it appears a lot smaller than a 23 footer. Um, but then on the configuration, how many cabinets do you have? How many chairs or seats do you have? The bargain hunting for me became the priority that I was not going to spend a hundred and something thousand dollars for one of these. Yes, you got you got that right. Over a hundred thousand dollars were many of these vehicles. Now they had some. Um, Road Trek. When I was looking, Road Trek had not gone out of business, and they were making less expensive ones, seventy thousand dollars. But there was a big difference between a $70,000 one and a $110,000 one. In many cases, it's the build quality, the materials, the insulation, all of those things that, uh, you know, a manufacturer is going to spend less and not put as much uh, components as possibly you would like in a less expensive one. It's just just a matter of you'll get the same get you'll get a sink but the sink quality will be different uh, based on the manufacturer and how much it costs so for me I came down with that uh, checklist and and I recommend this for anybody who wants to get into van life really really put together a checklist what do you want to use it for that should be number one because what I want to tell you right out of the gate I grew up camping with my family, my uh, teenage years, and I didn't really like it, did not like it. Camping was not my thing. If you ask me to camp or go to a luxury hotel, I'm in the luxury hotel every time. I know it costs a lot, but camping, uh, I wasn't one that you get to a site and you get to a place it felt like a long time to stay at one place for a whole weekend, unless it was a gorgeous place or on the beach or some, some unique thing. So I'm giving you a flavor of who I am and how I picked. But I'm saying for you, make the list. The list of what you would use a vehicle for and how often. You can't justify a $100,000 vehicle. 
for two weeks. You just can't. I mean, you, you can buy one. <laughs> you can spend the money. I think you'll regret it if you can't use it for, for more time than a few weeks. And keep in mind that these vehicles, if you live uh, north of Florida, you're going to have to winterize these things. You're, you're not going to be able to use all of the uh, water systems and stuff when it gets cold. And so the period of time you can use this thing is really the three seasons. Now, they make some four-season ones, but I, I, I will tell you, you, you lose a lot of space. they got to move all the water tanks into the unit. There's a lot more involved. So don't get bogged down with all of the gadgets and stuff until you really nail down your list and your priority. Then you've got to come up with your budget and what you're willing to spend. And what I ended up doing is I got on rvtrader.com. I'll say that again, rvtrader.com. Probably the best site to look at used and new to kind of get the price range. Now, understand sticker prices on these things are meaningless. If you saw one for $130,000 suggested, take 10, 15% off that is probably what you could negotiate with somebody with, with a dealership that sells those. There's a lot of margin on those. So you have to go in knowing that. The used market's a little trickier. Some people are willing to hold out. Some people are needing to get rid of it. So I hunted and hunted and still didn't see the ideal one. Or sometimes I would see the ideal one and it was long sold. It was gone. Do your research. Take your time. For me, it kind of came. Uh, what happened is I ended up finding a, I started to go, visiting dealerships to actually get in these. You've got to get in these. You've got to sit on the bed, sit on the toilet. You've, you've got to see what it's really like. You don't want to spend this kind of money and not have some at least initial impression of whether you're going to like it. So I started doing that. I started traveling to Vermont. I would go to, uh, you know, wherever it would be necessary to see one. And I wasn't aware that just in Maine, not too far, probably an hour and a half from me, was a Mercedes-Benz dealership that had Airstream. Now, Airstream was never really on my list because of how much they cost. They are expensive. Airstreams are expensive. They're in a, an elite class. And I just didn't envision that would work out. But they had a dealership. So I decided, hey, I should check them out. So I called them up, and uh, believe it or not, they had a used one. They had one that somebody bought, uh, had health issues, and the person um, passed away. And they brought it back to the dealership to resell. And what the weekend I called, they said they were going to lower the price by another $10,000. So... I was like, hold it for me. <laughs> uh, hold that thing for me. Because the price, by watching over a year of RV Trader, this was a very reasonable price for the unit. 
Now, the unit wasn't a perfect match for everything I had on my list, but it did have some features that were really uh, were, were strong winners for me. One is it was a twin bed version, not a couch that you had to put down and make. There were twin beds in the back. It was, you know, Mercedes-Benz, top of the line, lane assist, all of those things. Uh, had a lot of cabinetry. Uh, it really only had two seats that were buckled, so it was really only a two-person passenger, but it fit our cross-country cross uh, plans. So I got there, looked at it, and uh, the person who had bought it um, didn't use it and had a lot of things added to it, like handrails and grips and because the person was elderly and needed those assistances to get in and out and spent thousands of dollars adding on these grips. And, and at first I thought, I don't really need all that. I'm young. I don't, I don't, I don't need all these hand grips and everything else that's in there, but the price didn't reflect any increase because of all these, uh, add-ons. And it was so, uh, in pristine condition. I mean, the toilet still had the, uh, like a band around the toilet. The microwave stuff was still in its original wrappers. You know, the stickers were still on the cook stove, the gas cook stove. <clears throat> so it was brand new. It just was a good year and a half old between the model year and, uh, being returned back to the dealership to sell. So I bought it. Uh, couldn't pass up, bought the RV, and started my adventures of, you know, going to cross country and do all of these things. And that was my introduction to van life. And so this episode's really about how I got there um, and how I got a van and uh, started this journey. So this is the introduction to this series I'm going to put together because what I want to do over the next few podcasts is go through with you some of the adventures that happened with this van life lifestyle. And for me, it's a different lifestyle than some others that are kind of nomadic. Mine was a van life uh, adventure and unique to me, but I think others might appreciate uh where I'm at, I'm not looking to do the retiree thing, but I'm also not looking to give up my job, give up my whole life to just travel. I want to share with that with you. Uh, just understand that when I traveled cross country, photography is a great hobby of mine. Videoing places, uh, I did a lot. I hope that you want to listen to more of these in van life. Uh, as I tell you about the adventures as they took place. Thanks for listening to this podcast, and I hope you start to listen to the whole series, which will give you more in-depth on van life, uh, some of the do's and don'ts, and some of the great adventures I had. Thanks for listening. This is the Gary Abbott Podcast.